Wildly Worthy acknowledges the traditional owners of country. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Hey, I'm Ella. And I'm Elle. And we want to welcome you to Wildly Worthy. The podcast that brings you inspiring conversations, insight and tell all stories about overcoming obstacles, owning your worth and living life on your terms. From healing to personal growth, relationships and self-discovery, we have got you covered. So whether you're looking for motivation, guidance or just a good old laugh, tune in to Wildly Worthy and be wildly you. So welcome back to Wildly Worthy, where today it is just you and me. And I'm here to share my testimony, my life, and just a couple of things worth mentioning that these experiences have shaped who I am today. And I acknowledge the strength and the courage that it took to navigate these challenges. Whilst the past cannot be changed through experience, it is possible to change the way that we feel about it. And I certainly have done that. I love a good quote, if you know me, and one I would really love to share in this moment is that if we are strong enough to go through it, we are strong enough to let it go. It's actually a lyric of a song that I love, but I truly do believe that. And today I'm just going to share a glimpse of my journey, some parts I choose to leave out out of respect to myself and others, but this is my story and these are my reflections. And so a disclaimer Um, Before I start, sometimes I like to dance between how the past became present in the future and future life events that did take place. But I believe that the biggest thing essentially affecting the happiness of humanity, you've heard me say it before, is that we have forgotten that we're enough and this is so far from the truth. And so my journey really has been a reflection of this. And, you know, I now teach on what I know to be true. If anything does come up for you whilst listening to this, please add that beautiful havening touch a gentle stroke from your shoulders down to your elbows and practice compassion. Set aside any empathy towards me. This is my story and I'm sharing this to create hope. I live by the motto, if I can impact one or one million, it's worth doing. So in saying that, nice deep breath and um, let's start. So essentially my journey started pre-birth. My parents had lost a beautiful baby boy one year prior to my birth. And uh, when I was born, there was a, a grief, there was an uncertainty within my family and, you know, during my mum's pregnancy with me as well. So in a way, in my early life, I had this subconscious belief that I was living in the shadows of somebody who never even existed. And you know, throughout then my life, it would show up in really different ways from when I would get into trouble. I would think, oh, my brother Josh wouldn't have done that. Or my brother Josh would have liked motorbikes and, you know, he would have made people happy. And six days after my birthday, it would always be Josh's birthday. And so there would always be this reflection of where he would be and how he would be here. And it's not to say that I wouldn't have been born because people do have lots of, you know, babies within a year of of another baby because it only takes nine months. But I I really don't believe in my heart of heart that I would be here if, if Josh had have survived. And for a really long time, I had a subconscious belief that it wasn't meant to be me. And so again, that would show up in many different ways throughout my childhood. Um, I experienced significant things that happened. 
one being my parents separating uh, when I was 11 and both remarrying within a short period of time. I experienced a lot of confusion and I sought attention through uneducated sexual experiences, teen dysfunction. I seeked a lot of validation and eventually I was medicated for depression at the age of 16. And I knew after one round of that, you know, a three-month course, that that wasn't the road for me. I remember sitting in the doctor's office and him drawing this picture of what the antidepressants would do for me and they would create happy chemicals that my brain wasn't creating. And in that moment, I just remember feeling so different. Um, I was always raised to, you know, be a kind kid, but I wasn't very um, kind of, I wasn't very smart. I can't even think of the the word. And my parents tried everything. I was in like after um, school education and I just didn't really pick things up uh, like math or history uh, with much ease. And so for myself, I really believed that, you know, I had to rely on my personality to get far and that's very much what I did. And so within um, this time throughout high school and even as far back as primary school, I remember always being friends with everybody but not really feeling like I fit in anywhere. And, um, you know, I had really beautiful and, and deep friendships with with great girls and, and guys, um, but it was a, quite a difficult time, um, I, I would say, in, in reflection. So essentially, you know, at a young age, I started to, to work. My parents, I'd always, and my grandparents, I'd always seen um, self-employment. My parents didn't necessarily always work for somebody. And um, so I really dedicate like my work ethic and the way that I show up to my parents and my grandparents all being such beautiful influences on myself and really pushing me to want to succeed, even though that wasn't necessarily academically for me. That's the word I was looking for before. (laughs) I was like, I wasn't very smart. I wasn't very academic. You know, I could show up in a room and I was always confident and I was always kind and I was really the person, again, that was friends with everybody. And so... I left school at the end of year 10 and I I really, again, was chasing to work. You know, I got a lot of validation from promotions and from being recognised for my work because I, essentially I wasn't recognised at school. You know, my report cards would always say that I showed up and I, I gave it everything and I was polite, but, um, you know, my grades uh, were never that great. And so that really added to, again, the doctor in that room telling me that my brain was different. And so at 18, as soon as I was 18, about four, five weeks later, I moved to the Gold Coast and left everything behind. Uh, for those that know me, I moved with Evelyn. Um, she is has been my very good friend since about 13 years old. Um, so two decades now, actually. And um, while I was living on the Gold Coast... You know, it was a beautiful time. I really seeked support through alcohol and, um, yeah, there was just a lot of dysfunction with alcohol, I would say. It was very much my crutch and my coping mechanism, especially at 19 when our close friend, Denny, who had stayed in Batemans Bay due to some um, personal reasons that she needed to stay in that area, uh, she passed away uh, due to her own mental health journey and passed by suicide at 19. 
And, you know, I battled with depression and I understood her heartbreak, but for me, it was such a hard moment in my life um, to lose somebody. And, you know, I'd only seen her a week prior. So there was a lot of guilt and a lot of shame wrapped up in her passing. Um, from then that moment, I embraced work even more. Um, I very much had like a workaholic lifestyle, chasing career opportunities in different cities across Australia until I re- experienced it at 23 burnout. I was working for a company. I'd been with them for seven years and worked across four different states and had gone from like a casual on six hours to essentially working, you know, 50 plus hours and and running a state, you know, multiple stores. I had a a team of 120 women and I really hit burnout and I, I loved this company and I knew that I couldn't leave this company and go and work for somebody else. So I decided to run. And when things got a bit too hard, I would always just run away. And um, yeah, that would easily be the first time I would say I experienced burnt out. And that prompted me to travel because I knew I couldn't leave this company and go and work for another company. I knew I needed to just get out. And so there we were. Evelyn came with me again. And um, our first stop was Hawaii. We had booked, you know, a, a trip. We'd booked it to Hawaii and then to LA, out of New York to um, London. And so we were about four days into our trip and we, uh, on a motorbike, we hired a motorbike, it was a lot of fun. And um, we stop in at this beach, you may know it, it's called Waimea Bay and they run the Quicksilver Pro there. And we decided to go for a swim and the waves were pretty big, but, you know, we're Aussie chicks. So we were like, let's let's just go around this side and, and sneak in. And um, so we did that and we were in the ocean and an elderly gentleman kind of pulled us aside while we we're out swimming, having a, a nice time. And he was like, girls, what are you doing? Um, he was like, do you have flippers on? And we were like, no. And he said, you need to swim out to sea right now. And we were like, we can't. Our passport's on the beach. Everything we own is is on the beach. You know, we're four days into a a world trip here. And um, he was like, no, you need to. So Evelyn starts swimming to the shore. She's a much stronger swimmer than me and a lot more confident in the ocean. And before we could even think, the waves just become huge. Um, This beach is quite common for getting 30-foot waves. And so essentially I get tossed and turned into a washing machine-like swell. And I'm coming up for a gasp of air and then going back under the water for one to two minutes at, at any given time. This tossing and turning of the water, I end up giving up. And I see the lights and the the gates of heaven open and I'm walking towards them. And I do remember praying to God because I'd always had, um, I'd always known who God was. I'd always had a relationship with God, having a brother in heaven. I, I know where I'm going after this lifetime and having my best friend there. And it was always spoken about. And so... I saw these gates and I I walked to them and I was at so much peace. There was a peace in my heart. I was praying for my mom just that she would know that I loved her and that I was sorry for being such a naughty teenager and maybe not being as, as loving as I could be. And when I get to the gates, they start to open and Jesus appears and I, again, I, I didn't know Jesus in that moment. I, I knew God and 
So he was the representation of God to me. And when I was there, I just had this message of your life has purpose and you have meaning. It's not your time. Your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. It's not your time. And in that moment, I let go of the belief that it wasn't meant to be me. This was such a huge revelation in my brother's passing that it was always meant to be me, that my life had purpose and I had meaning. And after the encounter with God, that very moment of receiving that message, my hand was lifted up from the water and I came back to the shore and I was breathing. I didn't need resuscitation. I was just simply breathing. And so we went back to the hotel or the hostel where we were staying and I couldn't really talk for the rest of the day. I was incredibly traumatized and so was Evelyn and I didn't have the tools or the resources. So I'm pretty sure we like, I don't know, watched Grey's Anatomy on our iPad and, <laughs> and tried to self-soothe that way. And so we did continue to travel and... Um, we found our way to Las Vegas after visiting many sites on the uh, west coast of the US. And in um, Vegas, we were in the bath and, um, you know, we're drinking, we're like overlooking the city of Vegas in this big, beautiful hotel room. And I had my first panic attack. I don't know if it was a mix of the being in the water and in like an enclosed area um, and being there with somebody, but it brought back a lot of complex PTSD flashbacks and things that I hadn't really remembered and created a lot of confusion in my life. You know, memories that I, I couldn't remember, is this mine? Is this not mine? Is this make-believe? Is this true? And so as we continued traveling, um, you know, I just kind of put this this panic attack to the side and this anxiety to the side and I pushed through and I pushed through. I continued to travel. Um, we've been to over 27 countries and cities and I had a lot of spiritual awakenings on this trip. There was a lot of growth and a lot of learnings. And it wasn't soon and long after that I eventually made my way back to my hometown of Batemans Bay I think in that I couldn't run anymore. You know, Batemans Bay is a very small town. It's a beautiful town, but I, I couldn't run away from my feelings anymore. I was surrounded by my beautiful family and wonderful friends, um, but I was really struggling internally. And I think externally, I always had this confidence presence and this way of showing myself um, to everybody that you know, I was this confident person, but really on the inside, I was very much um, struggling. I found myself in a really unhealthy relationship. I turned to alcohol for self-medication. It wasn't until I was really at a rock bottom moment of my life again, where I wanted to run away. And I found myself on the Gold Coast, where I met a beautiful woman named Karen Hedges and found havening. And you know, she had been over in the UK and studied in this thing. There was just something about Karen that reminded me of my true self. And so within six weeks of me having that first havening session, I had gone back to Batemans Bay, packed up everything, left everyone and moved to the Gold Coast and underwent the first training in 2016. 
And since then, I become certified and I'm sought after globally for this practice. But I also explored and have explored many other healing methods and I continue to on a weekly basis. I'm always working on myself. I now have a really strong uh, Christian faith and Jesus has really made me really bold and really bright in a way that I I cannot um, truly explain. And I feel like you know, now I, I wake up, my life has purpose and I have meaning and it's just such a wonderful, wonderful place to be. There's been so many moments in my life and through these lived experiences that I've shared. And you may notice that when I'm telling a story, I'm I'm missing details because like I shared, I'm going to go back, I, I wrote it down while the past cannot be changed through experience, it's possible to change how we feel about it. And maybe even, you know, six years ago, had I have shared my story, I would have shared it and it would have been such a long story and every detail would have been spoken about. But since then, through Havening, I've been able to let go of the details that the memories become missing. And it's not about me not being a good storyteller. It's about me no longer having the attachment to the story. You know, when my hand was pulled out of the ocean and I was brought to shore in that moment, I was saved. My life from that moment hadn't been the same because I remembered that my life has purpose and my life has meaning and it wasn't my time to go. And since then, I've been exploring my life having meaning. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago where I truly realized that having purpose in your life doesn't mean that there's this big grand thing that you have to do. Now, my purpose of my life is to impact one person or one million people a day. But that might just be through a loving, kind word to somebody or sharing through generosity It doesn't need to be by speaking on stages or publishing millions of books. And maybe that may be the case for me. I am open to exploring life in a big way, but I really truly believe that my faith has humbled me, that I've become the person that I've become because it's been filled with these challenges that have shaped me. It's been filled with moments of self-doubt and moments of heartache and pain that has been self-suffering and also suffering because of humanity and taking on being a surrogate for other people's emotions, where now I, I truly, you know, if you haven't listened to episode seven of Wildly Worthy, the empathy and compassion, like go back because I have faced loss and uncertainty and pain, but through it all, I've found strength and courage within myself to navigate these difficult waters. I once lived in the shadows of the past. Now I embrace my unique identity. I know now that I am enough and it's been because of the adversities that I've, cha- I've faced during childhood and adolescence that taught me valuable lessons about resiliency and self-discovery. When I, you know, again, I transitioned through adulthood 
coming from this space, you know, I was diagnosed with depression. I remember sitting in a doctor's office and, you know, them trying to give me a Hashimoto's diagnosis or a low thyroid issue where I was placed on medication again. And, you know, I was taking this medication, just feeling so unaligned with that. You know, at no point did somebody ask me about experiences that had shaped me, past traumas that had shaped me. And, you know, maybe we didn't have the knowledge then like we do now, but I really live by there's nothing wrong with us. There's just things that have happened to us. And so I love the healing journey that I have had. It's taken me to corners of the world that I wouldn't have gone to. Every step, every country, every healing modality that I've explored has brought me closer to finding inner peace and understanding within myself and has brought me really incredible people into my life through the struggles, the unhealthy relationships, the self-medication. I've always been able to have this, this glimmer of hope throughout it all. I remember being a small child and, you know, looking out the window of a nighttime and both my parents saying, you know, the brightest star in the sky is Josh and he's watching over you and you can pray to him and you can ask him for guidance. And I've always had this connection to something greater. I never knew what it was. And in all of my encounters and all of my experiences now have not just been lessons from lived experience, but also then through the trainings and the certifications and the holistic modalities that have allowed me to really soften and to become the woman that I am today and the proud woman that I am today. And again, we cannot change the past, but we can change the way we look at it. And I'm so, there's a part of me that is so connected to the past, but so disconnected from it as well. The past used to define me. I was my struggles. I was these labels that was given to me. You know, I felt stupid. I felt physical pain. I felt anxiety on my chest. There was a period in my life where I would wake up every morning and run to the bathroom and I didn't know why. And I had no idea why. And now I know through self-discovery that when I'm feeling nauseous, that's anxiety presented in my body. And so for me, these experiences have shaped me. They've shown me that I'm capable of letting go. And now I live, you know, the second motto that I live by is that some of the best days of my life haven't happened yet, but some of the worst days of my life haven't happened yet. And so how can I shape myself to have the resilience to go through those moments? You know, because hard things are going to come and there's evidence of that in the past. And so I don't live with the perception that bad things are going to happen, but my parents are still alive. My siblings are still alive. My beautiful dog, Jaira, is still alive. And so how can I ensure that through my resilience that I will be okay when those things come? Because what used to rock me, you know, I shared that after my, my drowning experience, I didn't go into the water for four years. There were events and things that had happened that stopped me from getting into relationships with people, stopped me from dating, stopped me from going for promotion, stopped me from asking for what it was that I wanted because there had been so much rejection in my life. And so if, if you are going through your own trials and tribulation, tribulations, like please remember that 
you too have what it takes to face these challenges and come out even stronger, to embrace your uniqueness and believe in your ability to heal and grow, to know that on the other side of what you're growing through will be a greater version of yourself if you choose to see it that way that you can through holistic modalities like the ones that I have found for myself. And please do not discard that havening was the modality that worked for me. But I had tried up until that moment so many things. I remember because, you know, I knew that the pharmaceutical industry didn't work for me when I was 16, that I didn't like the way it made me feel, or the thyroid medication I was placed on 19, I didn't like the way it made me feel. I had been on a long search for holistic modalities, a long search. And through traveling, you know, that was a great experience where I met people, I tried Reiki and kinesiology and... um, Oh, just so many hypnotherapy and so many different modalities. And some of them really worked in that moment and gave short-term relief. Some of them, you know, may have worked long-term, but it wasn't until I felt the power and freedom that came with Havening that day. I sat in Burley Heads in my friend's house when Karen came over to help me. And all I said was when I was, I got three words out and from that moment, that memory had never felt the same and I I truly experienced freedom in that moment. So I want to encourage you to know that you have the strength to keep moving forward, that you have the strength to let it go and um, I really hope that, you know, through this story and through sharing a bit of, you know, intel into things that I had experienced and again, there are so many more things that I could share that I truly hope that this encourages hope for wherever you are to know that you can look back one day and see the hope and see that you have always been supported, you have always been cared for, that there has always been a greater power just calling you forward and that this is just one story. You know that my story is my story and you have a phenomenal story as well. And I truly hope that you can start to embrace that with more courage and certainty. And please know that when you do share a story like I used to in chronological order, it can be quite traumatic. And so seek support, seek support, have curiosity, have self-compassion and have love because you are so worthy of experiencing life to the fullest. Thanks for tuning in to Wildly Worthy. We're on a mission to help you live your best life. We hope that you found today's episode inspiring and valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us to reach more people and to continue to create content that is meaningful and impactful. And be sure to follow us on social media at The Enlightened Co. Please tag us as we love hearing from our listeners. Remember, you are wildly worthy of living a life that you want. Keep taking risks, pursuing your passions and growing into the best version of yourself. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Wildly Worthy. And remember, be Be wildly wildly you. you.